We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. third pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Charlotte Hornets select LaMelo Ball from Chino Hills, California. All right, everyone, welcome into another Buzz Beat, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. This is Richie, and I'm joined by Spencer and Lee and Brian here recording this live on the Green Room app. On today's episode, we will be doing a tier system for the players on the Charlotte Hornets roster, and everything is relative to the Hornets, meaning if we're saying this player falls in tier one, he's not in tier one of the NBA, he's tier one as it relates to the Hornets roster. So we've categorized each of these players into five different tiers. And I'm going to go ahead and give you guys like the categories. This will be subjective. If it wasn't subjective, it, we would have one list. But tier one um, are like the big time minute contributors, and they are consistently impacting the team in a great level. Tier two, they play a lot of minutes, but their impact might be a little bit more moderate. Tier three are role players, and they will have some nights where they have an, you know, an impact. Some nights they don't have an impact, so that occasional impact. Tier four, this is where you're getting down to the players at the end of the bench. Sometimes they play, sometimes they don't, and even when they do play, the impact is just not that great. And then tier five, basically players on the Hornets roster that have little to no role and little to no impact. And I guess we're kind of focusing on this upcoming season more so than two or three seasons down the line. I guess it really depends on how you would want to do this personally. We will have some differences, some similarities, obviously, but we are actually going to start with tier five and work our way up. I don't have a lot of talking points for some of my tier five and tier four players uh, for obvious reasons. So here's mine, tier five. I've got two players in tier five, JT Thor and Nick Richards. Thor, Brian and I were talking about this prior, showed some flashes in Summer League, uh, but I think with the way that the roster is set up and the positional breakdown, he'd benefit in playing some time uh, in Greensboro. I just don't see a role for him currently in Charlotte. That's you know that's all I'm going to say about JT Thor. Richards, I'm going to keep it short and sweet as well. Solid defensively, but what we saw in Summer League, the lack of hands, it kind of reminded us of Bismack Biombo, a little bit too familiar uh, for my taste there. So I only got two players in Tier 5, JT Thor and Nick Richards. Lee, I kept it short and sweet, but I'm going to pass it to you. Who is your Tier 5? So um, actually very similar to yours. And I guess just so the audience knows, we, we are not privy to each other's lists prior to this. So this That's is right. all off the cuff right here. Hmm. Um, a big reveal. A big reveal. I, you know, I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see, particularly as we get top, up towards the top tiers, like of how you guys kind of theorized what made someone um, in a tier above or below. I, find, I found myself, I think, prioritizing veterans a bit more in the higher tiers and not necessarily counting on some of the younger players just due to like, mm. I guess, historical standards of contribution on NBA play. You know, it is quite likely it'll take some of these guys a few years. All that to be said, Richie, very similar to you, JT Thor, 
um, Nick Richards, and I also included Vernon Carey Jr. Um, on my tier five as well. Uh, you know, there were some bright spots, I think, for both Vernon Carey at times in Summer League, but I don't feel that either one of them showed that they significantly improved year over year, at least to this point, um, based on the, on the Vegas Summer League. So um, just developmental pieces that likely probably won't see a whole lot of playing time this year, Thor, Richards, Carey Jr. Let's go to Spencer. All right. <clears throat> I've got a, now I'm looking at a pretty big tier five here. Um, <laughs> might be, my, it is my largest tier actually. Wow. All right. So Wes Awandu, I think is a, is a tier five guy. You know, I think that we'll see injuries this season like we always do. Um, but he, you know, he immediately to start the year with 15 healthy bodies, you know, I don't, I don't think this guy's in your rotation. Um, but I am curious to watch Wes Awandu this year. I like him out of Kansas State. He's, he's a great defensive player. Not great, but certainly above average. Um, just needs to learn to shoot the ball. So uh, I'm kind of curious to see, you know, his role when the injuries do happen this year. Nick Richards, you guys have talked about him. I'm not impressed at all uh, with him as an NBA talent player moving forward. Good defensive player. Not much else to bring to the table. JT Thor. Uh, have here super intriguing about as raw as it comes him and Kai Jones but like we'll see just like close your eyes don't say that name and just wake up in three years four years let's let's see what we have here he's going to be one of those developmental projects I have Vernon Carey here as well um you know I like Carey's long-term potential more than Richards uh you know he's really shown some development in his offensive game I think we saw that in summer league um, you know, still a, a defensive seb. You know, I'm not sure he can ever really correct that uh, with his limited athleticism, but he's really got some feel um, on the offensive end that, that I think maybe can be utilized at, at some point. Um, am I missing anyone else? Oh, and I have Cody Martin in this tier as well. Um, that one might be a little bit controversial. I, I'm, you know, Cody Martin. We saw the year before last. Um, he can be an initiator off of offense. You know, he's. He's tall, so he can he can play in pick and roll. He can see over the defense. Um, good passer. Never learned to shoot, and last year really seemed to lose a burst. Um, so, and also, I, if you buy into the Jeremy Lamb uh, rumors, I'm not even sure Cody Martin is on this roster uh, on opening night. So, that's my tier five. Yeah, I've got um, I've got two guys uh, who've been named in my tier five: uh, Nick Richards. Um, being one of those, you guys have, have covered that. And we've also talked about him in the context of summer league, some recently, and then also Cody Martin, um, who's a guy that I just kind of think with, I know maybe he's a little more of a, a guard type player as opposed to like, you know, he's, he's obviously part of the, the wing group on this roster, but maybe because of some of the, the ball handling that he brings, maybe he can still hang on to somewhat of a roster spot, but just considering they brought in, Ubre, Wandu, you draft Book Knight. I just even with the loss of guys like Graham and, and Monk, uh, and then Martin was already on the fringes of the rotation. You know, it's hard for to see him having really any um, any real uh, impact unless for some reason the corner three just comes online. You know, it is it is interesting to like. You know, we've talked about Cody's shot three point shot so much. If he if he just gets to being an average three point shooter, he's a guy that could possibly, you know, be a back end of the rotation guy. And, you know, you lean into his hustle plays and some of the impact stuff he does defensively. But, you know, he took, I think, like 20% of his shots last season were corner threes. He shot just 26% on those looks. His, his uh, rookie season, he was just 20% on corner threes. He actually hasn't been, like, completely terrible from above the break, but because he's been so bad and taking like a good volume of, of corner threes, um, that three point percentage overall just really, really lacks. Um, I also think maybe the hustle that he brings defensively, the sort of like winning play aspect of him maybe over, over inflates the defensive impact, or at least like our perception of the defensive impact, uh, to an extent. So, uh, I've got, that's my tier five, Cody Martin and Nick Richards. And Spencer brought up a player that I just totally forgot about, Wessa Wundu. And Lee and I were just chatting here. We forgot to tier him. So that should probably tell you what tier we were supposed yeah. to put him in. So we're going to put him in tier five as well. So thank yeah. you, Spencer, for reminding me that he's actually on an NBA contract. I forgot about that. 
Uh, yeah, no, no problem. And uh, I didn't think I really heard his name in here, so I thought, man, did Wes Wendu get traded? Did I miss something? <laughs> did the Jeremy Lamb trade actually happen? Wes Wendu was involved? <laughs> All right, good to know. I'm up to date. That's, right. that's my fault. I forgot to put his name on the script. So Tier 5 yeah. uh, is where I would place him. Now, Tier 4, we're moving up to role players that – you know, have a little bit more of a role, but still kind of a low impact here. I have three players in tier four. Now, Cody Martin is a name that you guys have mentioned. I actually was debating three, four, or five with Martin. I really couldn't pick out which tier I wanted him in. Uh, I think his role could and, and probably should be diminished this year. Still a believer in his defense, but his offense is really non-existent. And I think that's why I dropped him down to four and not three, but I really couldn't put him in the same tier as Thor, Richards, and a one-do. We'll see. We'll see how his role is played out this year. Uh, it definitely feels like it can be diminished. Also, I got Kai Jones uh, in four. Uh, you guys might think that's a little bit low. Uh, he's a guy that I think is in a wait-and-see mode. You got to take some time to have him develop. Obviously, his athleticism popped in summer league. And we saw a lot of that, especially when it came to the the beating of the closeouts and attacking the rim. And then defensively, we knew this out of Texas, but he's got a ways to go on that end. I think physically, you know, he's close to where he needs to be, but it's the mental, the processing, just being in the right position that seems to be the issue for Kai Jones. So he's a guy that I kind of debated between three and four, but wanted to kind of have him in the, in the four role just to be safe. And then Kerry Jr. is my other guy uh, with four. And I actually debated dropping him down to tier five like you did, Lee. But I'm going to put him on the bottom rung of tier four. So just kind of teetering between the two. We did see some wiggle and, and some little bit of a face-up game. Not really totally blown away with his, his, uh, his game down in uh, Vegas. But it's tough to evaluate him because we don't see him in practice. And he's really just not getting enough court time in Charlotte, didn't get enough court time in Vegas. So I'm assuming the coaches are not seeing a whole lot from him. And with the center rotation being a little bit, uh, I guess not, I always say this, there's a lot, there's a lot of them. I don't think there's going to be that great of a role here. So Martin Jones, Carey Jr. for me. Lee, we will go to you. <clears throat> All right. So this is my largest tier. Tier four. Um, and, and this, honestly, it, it just kind of boils down to the fact that I think there are eight players on this roster that are almost certainties to be in the core rotation because of talent and roster need, kind of a combination of those two things. And then these four guys, I feel like, have the best chance to potentially kind of catapult themselves into the tier three at some point during the season. I just don't see them as certainties. And Book Knight might be the most surprising name in that tier. Oh, gosh. Um, I obviously voiced some of my concerns about Book Knight, but I'm still very bullish on him long term. And I've actually become more optimistic the farther away we get from the draft and the more we see from him. I just think from like an historical standpoint to rely on, on an off-guard rookie um, to be, you know, a, a moderate or, or even, like, consistent occasional impact guy could be a little bit, you know, early, I guess. So, it, But, again, Richie, like, if I could have a tier 4A and 4B, he would certainly be in the top half of that tier. So I've got Book Knight, Jalen McDaniels, Kai Jones as well, and then, Cordy, and then Cody Martin. Um, so, so these are the four guys I think are just outside of that core rotation that will all kind of be scrapping, um, for hopefully larger roles, particularly from the younger players. Yeah, I have one player in this tier and that is Jalen McDaniels. Um, and I, I like Jalen McDaniels. I do. I've been consistent with that. It's, I still think there's more to tap into there. Uh, and I think he's got a chance to play in the league quite a long time, uh, with what he can be, what he can do physically. I just think Kelly, the addition to Kelly Oubre, you know, if, if we think there's a, a chance Gordon Hayward plays a few more games this season, not a, not a great bet, but I, you know, there's only so much, there's only so many minutes to go around. Right. And I think Jalen is probably at least to start the season. One of those guys who's not going to see those immediate minutes um, to Lee's point, you know, book night, I almost put him in tier four as well. Uh, I, at the last second, I chickened out and put him in three. 
uh, because I, I think he will play uh, an offensive role off the bench right away more than a guy like McDaniels. But I think you, you laid it out really well, Lee. I mean, there's there's a, an argument to be made if you're doing this this exercise uh, that he does belong in Tier 4, especially maybe after what we saw in Summer League, which wasn't all bad, but I, I think a little underwhelming. Um, so, yeah, just Jalen McDaniels in tier, tier 4 for me. Yeah, this is not my biggest group, but there's a fair amount of guys in here. Um, I didn't quite know what to do with Kai Jones and JT Thor, so they ended up here, but sort of on the the, like the last rung, um, just because it's hard to see either one of those guys having a, an immediate impact. Jones has a ways to go um, for development. I liked some of the stuff in Vegas uh, the nose for the basketball, some of the rebounding stuff, obviously him attacking closeouts and finishing above the rim, uh, the Euro step stuff and transition, all that's cool. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting ways this development could go that could really be beneficial to Charlotte long-term, but it's just going to take some time. He's so far behind on a bunch of different things, especially on, on defense. I, I feel like the, the, the vintage Kai Jones play is like when he's like backside, help defense, he loses his man, his man, you know, relocates around the perimeter for an open three. And then uh, Jones is like, you know, frantically trying to like find where that person went to close out, but then he closes out too hard. Then that person gets to drive to the basket. I feel like I saw a lot of that, but I like, I, I thought the Thor flashes in Vegas were, were pretty encouraging and I think it's going to be really fascinating to see what JT does in Greensboro this year. Like I was saying to Richie before we started recording today, it's like kind of important that um, that he play well at the G League this year. Like you need to see big time production, which it, that's sort of hard to factor that into this calculus when we're talking about the Hornets roster. But for, for whatever reason, I, I just I, I, I just kind of chickened out of putting him in the fifth spot, and I'm I'm using some of that importance with. Uh, with uh, with Greensboro to factor into this calculus just a little bit. And uh, I've also got Vernon Carey Jr. in here. Um, I think he could definitely factor into the center rotation this year. Like, I really think the center should be Plumley and P.J. play the majority of the minutes. But I think Vernon Carey Jr. should factor into this as well. I've kind of come around on him uh, with a 30-second pick in last year's draft. I mean, it's still like – a kind of a disaster to have missed on Xavier Tillman, who had a really nice rookie year, unsurprisingly, with the Grizzlies. But Kerry Jr., because of his ability to face up the dribble handoff stuff, like I think that could be kind of important uh, for Book Knight on the second unit. Um, it could be big for Rozier if those guys were ever to play together. So I've got VCJ in this, but he has the chance to maybe move up a rung. And then Wessel Wundu as well, who just seems sort of like a break glass in case of emergency. Like just kind of like the role that like Brad Wanamaker had last season, but on the wing, just like a like deep depth. But he gives you some size on the wing and, you know, perhaps like a, another wingy defender, um, but don't really see him providing much impact in terms of like winning basketball this season. So yeah, my tier four, a one do Vernon Carey, Kai Jones and JT Thor. Lee, he actually remembered to do a one do. I kind of feel bad now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we totally, totally dropped the ball on that one. <laughs> All right. The, the other thing I was going to say is like, I think the only reason Cody Martin made my tier four is because I feel like at some point during this year, he's going to be like a security blanket for Brago. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, I could see that. <laughs> like things are a little dicey. Get Cody in there. You know? Yeah, I could see that. It's like, he needs, he needs like a defensive spark or, or just like, he's just like throwing shit at the wall. And so it's like, all right, yeah, Cody, you get in there and like, yeah, everyone's lethargic tonight. Cody, go, yes. you know, like take a charge and, you know, run, run through a wall or whatever. Yeah. 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 I could, I can definitely uh, see that. I think Kai Jones could actually be used in that kind of role too. Although not with sort of like the built up corporate trust that Brigo probably has after, you know, two plus seasons of Cody Martin now. What's interesting, I think when uh, Cody Martin was originally drafted uh, in that summer league, that first summer league that he played in, they used him a lot kind of bringing the ball up the court and as, as a guy that was could be used as a primary. And I don't think necessarily that's something that really ever developed, but at least he's got 
that within him, maybe that that Caleb didn't have. And I guess maybe that's why they led with Cody over Caleb. Caleb's three-point shot kind of fell off a cliff this past year, even though he kind of started pretty strong uh, in his first year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We are moving up to Tier 3. So these are role players with the occasional impact. I'm going to go with Jalen McDaniels. I know that a couple of you guys had him on Tier 4. I'm fairly high on him, and I felt like his role, regardless of what the Hornets did in free agency, I thought that he was going to be counted on this upcoming season, and I still think he is a guy that that can and will be. Good two-way guy, good perimeter defender, cutter on the offensive end. The only thing that's kind of holding him back is his off-the-dribble, on-the-ball stuff, and I'm not really sure he's there quite yet. And I don't think he'll necessarily develop it in this upcoming year, but I, I do see him having that occasional impact every now and then. And I think that his, you know, his physical build and just his prototype or his archetype is enough to push him up to tier three. I also have Ish Smith in tier three, veteran presence at the backup point guard position. Obviously he's going to be playing some minutes because there is no other backup point guard. So I would think that he would have to be at tier three at a minimum you know, obviously not a tier one type of guy, but we can, we can debate whether he's tier three or tier two. And he's just a guy that's going to create for others, push the pace. He fits in with the system and has an awesome mentality. I've got book Knight as my third guy in tier three. It's sometimes hard to judge rookies because all you've got to go on is summer league and kind of your own personal projections. But because he was drafted with the 11th overall pick, I'm kind of expecting some kind of role for him. Um, in summer league, he was forced into doing some things that maybe kind of pushed him out of his comfort zone a little bit in terms of handling the ball a little bit more. I think in Charlotte, he's not going to be asked to do that on a game-to-game basis. And in theory, that should make it easier for him in his development because he is primarily a guy that plays off ball, and that's where he excels. So I, I do think Book Knight is solidly in Tier 3, mainly because he was picked 11th overall, but I also think that he's done some good things as well. So we will keep the routine going and the pattern here. And Lee, let me know your tier three here. All right, tier three here. So so these are the – I've got three guys in tier three, and, and these players are just who I see as like the consistent bench contributors. And that may not even mean necessarily that they always come off the bench – 
I just think that that, that that'll kind of how it will it will work mm-hmm. itself out from like a macro minute standpoint, and particularly from a finishing lineup standpoint. I, I think Kelly Oubre is in this tier. Um, I think Mason Plumlee's in this tier, and I think Plumlee would be the best bet out of this tier to actually probably start a significant amount of games. But but then you just get to the like. How often is PJ at the five, the finishing lineup? And I would probably bet that's more frequent than not, at least at this juncture. Um, and then Ish Smith and Richie, you did a really good job of just laying out exactly why his role is so important. And I think Ish is still like a very competent backup guard in the NBA as well. So Ubre, Plumley, Ish Smith are like my tier three bellwether bench contributors and then i had mm-hmm. those four guys in tier four and then i had the three young guys in tier three or tier five sorry yeah i have ish smith in this tier as well i mean you guys already made the point like he's the only backup true backup point guard on the roster so <clears throat> he's gonna have to play i also have mason Plumley here gonna have to start <laughs> so it's hard for him to be much lower than tier three you know we'll see how many minutes he ends up averaging each night, that's something I'm going to be watching pretty closely this season, uh, the center minutes allocation. And then my other two, I have Kai Jones and James Booknight in this tier. I think the more that I think about it and we, as we record this podcast and listen to you guys talk, I, I probably should have Kai Jones in tier four. I think that once I look at this at the end of the season, I, I should probably say I, I should put Jalen McDaniels in tier three and, and Kai Jones in tier four. Kai Jones, I mean, like super – uh, intriguing, super electric, crazy good athlete. But I think from watching summer league, like the guys nowhere close to making a, a real impact and winning in the NBA. Uh, I mean, numerous years away. So how much is, is Borrego going to trust him on the floor when half of the mandate, more than half of the mandate is, is we need to win. And then book night, you know, again, have him here. I, I do think his role as a rookie is safer than Kai Jones mm-hmm. um, just because he's going to score the ball. He's going to come in and score. How efficiently he's going to do it, we'll see. Um, but he is going to do that. He's going to be able to run at least a little bit of offense, at, you know, at least be a you know, semi-competent uh, second option with certain units. So I, I, I really don't think Book Knight can be any lower in this tier, uh, again, because I, I think his role is a little safer than Jones in terms of rookies. Yeah, the the one thing you know, I I'm I'm keeping Kai in, in tier four, but um, because I don't think the defensive issues are going to resolve themselves, and he's just got a way to go on a, on a lot of different things. But you know, playing, getting to play with Lamelo will probably help some. Getting to play with Hayward will probably help him some. Maybe that gives him you know more consistency offensively by just being um, a play finisher, and then all of a sudden you get the finishing plus the rebounding, and you just live with the. You know, he's going to be a bad defender, but this team's not going to be good defensively regardless. So, like, maybe – I mean, I, I'm keeping him in Tier 4, but, you know, there, there's, like, a chance he could, like, ladder his way up to Tier 3. I just wouldn't bank on it. Um, I like the way that all three of you guys laid this out. Um, similarly, I, this is my biggest group. I've got five guys in it, and I really do think it's gonna, it's sort of like the second unit guys for the Hornets with the one sort of, like, exception being Mason Plumlee is in here for me. And yeah, like there's a good. I would I would imagine he starts most of the games at center for Charlotte this season. But as Lee said, I think you know I think PJ Washington will close a lot of games at center for them. So Plumley, you know, give you some the, the dribble handoff game, some a little bit of like grab and go, the passing. Uh, he can guard pick and roll in a couple of different ways, which I think is something that, that Charlotte can get into. Like Detroit, actually been going through some Plumley film recently. Detroit used him to drop. They switched. They had him show. They uh, they had him hedge. Like they just did a bunch of different stuff with Plumlee. So maybe that's something Charlotte can tap into. Um, Ish Smith, I think his role is like well defined on this roster. Um, I think if he has to play anything more than what's probably being asked of him at this stage, which is just like run the ship when um, Lamelo is sitting down, then Charlotte's probably running into some. Uh, problems not because it doesn't mean that Ish Smith isn't capable of like taking on a, a role beyond just being like pigeonhole as your backup point guard but it means that like something else is going on in the in the guard rotation or you know the, the Lamelo Rozier lineups are needing more ball handling on the court or something like that um, but I've got Ish in tier three Jalen McDaniel's in tier three too. I just think because the, the the defense that he brings to the perimeter the length 
the, the impact stuff that he can do as a team defender, his ability as an on-ball point-of-attack type defender, like I think that separates him from a lot of guys uh, that are in Charlotte's like wing depth, just the, the length and the um, the ability to be uh, a good, a positive defender. And then at the same time, not taking really anything away from your offense. Like he doesn't have the creation element, but you don't really need him to. Um, he can just do all the stuff that you need from a fifth option cut along the baseline, be in the dunker spot. He shoots a bunch of corner threes. Like he doesn't make a ton of them, but like over 20% of his career field goal attempts have been, um, have been corner threes and about half of them have, or a little under half have come at the rim. So like he is, you're just, they've molded him into the stereo, sort of like stereotypical three and D, uh, you know, hybrid wing that can guard a bunch of positions and switch around. And Charlotte's going to have to, Charlotte is going to have to switch a lot this season. So I think that's a, another feather in McDaniel's cap. Um, James Booknight also in this, uh, this tier, um, you know, those three guard lineups with, I'll be curious to see when Hayward is not in the game, but Rozier and LaMelo are playing together, how James Rago decides to sort of like augment those lineups. I think book night will get a, will get a, a big crack at it. Maybe, you know, Oubre, but I could even see, like I said, I think you could see some three guard lineups with book night. I think it might be kind of important for him to get up. Like if this team's going to like actually threaten for the play in or the playoffs or whatever, I think it's kind of important that like James Booknight hit the ground running or get caught up to NBA speed pretty, pretty quickly. Um, similar to Kai Jones, I am kind of excited to see him in more of like a play finisher role, getting to be on the court at all times with, you know, either LaMelo or Ish Smith and probably Gordon Hayward and Miles Bridges, guys that can like drum up advantage or, or multiply advantage and, and kick it off to him. And as I've written about too, I, I just, I'm excited to see James Booknight in actual half court sets from James Borrego. I think that's something that we saw only a smidgen of out in Vegas. And I really think there's some stuff Charlotte can do to scheme him up. Um, and I've got Kelly Oubre in this, uh, this capacity as, as well as a guy that can uh, give them some pop on the wing athletically finishing. Um, you know, we'll see where the three point shot settles in this year. There's a fair amount of variance in that, but it's not he's a, a terrible shooter. He's made strides as a, as a playmaker and a ball handler. And, um, yeah, I mean, they're going to need him to bring, give them some impact defensively. So uh, I've got uh, Oubre as the last guy here for me. And what is my biggest group, Tier 3? Yeah, I made another mistake. I forgot to Tier Oubre. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I will put him in Tier 3, and I won't rehash what you said, Lee, or what you said, Brian. But, um, yeah, I think the defensive Did aspect, too. What would you say, Lee? Did you get Lamelo Ball? Did you tear Lamelo Ball? <laughs> I got him. I got him. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. yeah. Where did you have a uh, Devonte Graham? Oh, did he you, was in tier six. Tier six. It reminds me of uh, I don't know if any of y'all used to watch SVP and Rosillo back in the day, but one time uh, Scott Van Pelt left Kevin Durant off of his top five small forwards in the NBA. <laughs> it was just like, they just would, they would call that back. Like, all the time yeah. The yeah. So yeah, these things happen, man. When you, when you're doing live radio, they do. They, they just, you, sometimes you, you forget a guy, you get so focused on getting other things right that you end up like, you know, you can just, or, or miss you, out on a big fish like Durant. You know? Or you move your, cause I moved my tears a lot around as I was trying to figure this out. So it would have been very easy for me to like forget I moved a guy down and yeah. just like leave him off the list completely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I guess yeah. I guess I could have pretended like he was in my tier two and just gone from there. But okay. Tier two. Got four players in tier two. I got I kind of tiered it within the tier here. So I'll start with the bottom. Mason Plumley. Uh, I actually think he'll surprise some people this year. And to Spencer's point, because he is going to be the starter, he's going to have to play some minutes. So that's probably why I leaned a little bit more towards tier two than tier three. I think his ability to work the elbows as a passer with the cutters that the Hornets do have and Ubre and Bridges and Washington and Hayward. I think that's going to work well with him, and I think he's going to offer some rim protection, and I think he's a good rebounder as well. He'll probably lead the Hornets in, in total rebounds, although I think LaMelo Ball might be up there when it comes yeah, to uh, yeah. when it <laughs> yeah, comes to rebounds. Um, so Plumlee in Tier 2. I got P.J. Washington in Tier 2 as well. Pick and pop ability is something that is his biggest asset right now. I think everyone's hope for P.J. is to get better within the paint 
Defensively, I think he improved as the season went along last season, but I thought he struggled a little bit in space earlier in the season, getting beat off the bounce pretty easily. And I, like I said, so if, if he can kind of finish around the rim just a little bit better, uh, that would change his outlook for the season. And one big revelation with Washington that we saw last year uh, was his weak side rim protection, right? Like the, all those blocks that he kind of uh, tallied up there was kind of surprising. Didn't see that coming. So Plumley, Washington, and then I got Bridges as well in Tier 2. Again, I, I view Bridges higher than Washington, but still in the same tier. Took a big step with the ball in his hands last season. Playmaking, shooting, dribbling, all the above when it came to off-the-dribble stuff. And he took a big step on ball and off-ball defense as well. Again, he's going to be a guy that works well in transition. He's a good role man, good pairing with LaMelo. And I would expect maybe his efficiency to kind of go down a little bit considering the, the, the outbreak that he did have last season. But I still have him solidly in, in Tier 2. And I kind of put him equal with Terry Rozier in terms of like 2A, I guess. And yeah. Rozier, we'll talk about at the end of this, his contract extension. But we all know his catch-and-shoot efficiency is elite. And I think anyone paying attention to the NBA probably should know that by now. I, I do think... We talk about this a lot, Brian, and it could be an outlier season, but his mid-range shot definitely took a big step. It could be an anomaly, but at least that's something to point to that he did improve upon last year. So, Lee, I will pass it to you, but I got Plumley, Washington, Bridges, Rozier in Tier 2. Nice. Um, real quick before I do Tier 2, like three different points that you've all made that I think are super important. Um, number one, I am joined. I have joined you, Richie, on the Plumley optimism train. He is in my tier three, but like I've just convinced myself that he's going to be pretty good this year, and and maybe that'll just lead me to big disappointment. But I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I think he's going to be. I think I agree, Rich. Like I think he's going to surprise some people with his ability to really help this team. Um, Lee, Lee, my my list is the consensus. By the way, you guys are just like the outliers. <laughs> yeah, Honestly. yeah. But but I, I will say to just to to Lee's point again. I'm watching. I'm rewatching the. Detroit Charlotte game right now that or at least I'm I'm like halfway through it that Plumlee played in this year he missed the other ones but like there's one part of this game where Plumlee grabs a rebound he pushes the ball in transition like he's not like looking for a guard and then he hits um I think Grant try like and the, the pass ends up getting knocked out but like he and Jeremy Grant uh work like a little like back door like you see him make eye contact and, and Grant gets behind the defense and Plumley like again off his own grab and go he pulled he dribbled it grabbed the rebound dribbled it for 60 feet and then tries to like thread the pass to uh to um uh, to to Grant it just it, it adds one more layer of playmaking perhaps to Charlotte's roster and one more reason why they maybe just are going to be able to play a little bit faster this season than they did last year because perhaps even on some of those possessions, Plumlee doesn't even have to, like, after rebound, get it to a guard. Like, he can, at times, it'll depend on, you know, things, but, you know, he can push on his own, too. Totally. Um, and I think Brian was the one that brought up, like, I'm just fascinated with what these lineup configurations are going to look like. And particularly, I think Spencer mentioned the center minute allocation is going to be really interesting. And Brian's point about the three-guard lineup and what that might look like because – although it was like kind of low volume last year, like the Rozier ball Graham lineup was killed really good. It was killed. Really good. And then, and then Spencer just made a point that was like, this team's going to be trying to win like full stop. So, you know, I don't think that means, I don't think that reflects badly at all on our young prospects. They j j Borrego just may be a little less willing to throw developmental minutes, these guys way sometimes. So I think, that that point that Spencer made like informed some of my tiering. But without further ado, tier two, these are just like my four like stable as can be rocks, Miles Bridges, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, PJ Washington. Um, all four will be incredibly integral, obviously, to the team's success this year. Um, not only their health, but particularly with Bridges and Washington, like taking another developmental step forward. I don't think my, I mean it would be nice if Miles Bridges made a big a jump between year three and four as he did between two and three. I don't think you can necessarily expect that. Right. But even just another like incremental three to five percent improvement for Bridges, I think you're starting to look at a, a maybe a very expensive player, but a very very good player. Um, so 
again, Bridges, Rozier, Hayward, PJ Washington, um, you know, the meat of the core of this team is my tier two. All right. Um, tier two for me, name, I don't think I've heard yet in this tier. I, I've got Kelly Oubre in this tier. Um, I think that he's not the most important two-way player on the roster, but it's damn close. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, with the exit of Devontae Graham, you know, it's, it's almost 20 points a game there, and, and you got to – 15 points a game, rather, I'm sorry, last season. you got you got to replace that somewhere, and I think Ubre is going to have to play a really important role, you know, in that. Uh, you know, with a shot that's been inconsistent and, you know, with some playmaking that was brought up earlier that, that's been a little inconsistent. But, you know, his defensive role in this team is, is very clear. as a versatile wing who's going to be given a lot of different – uh, assignments and duties, I think, by James Brago on that on that side of the ball. So, I just think like it, his utility as a two way guy just it has to put him in this tier to me. Um, the second one is <laughs> this one might be a little surprising. Gordon Hayward, um, you know, he's a stabilizer. Uh, we saw how important he was to the offense when he was healthy last season. Uh, I, I think his role is is obviously the exact same. Uh, really getting in, getting Charlotte into some some matchup hunting, some ISO, uh, some you know where can we fall back when the offense is 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 really churning out nothing. Um, I just put him in, in tier two because I, I just you know I, how much more do we need to see? This guy's not going to stay healthy uh, for 65, 70 games. You know he's only going to be around for fifty five to sixty five uh, most likely. So I, I just I can't justify a, a player that's probably only going to give you that in terms of availability for a tier one spot. Although it would be nice to, to for a guy making $30 million to, to be in your tier one. But I think <laughs> in this case that uh, Gordon Hayward is not for me. And then I have one more player in this tier. I think, let me make sure. Yeah. PJ Washington, another one. I mean, I think there's an argument to be made. He's a tier one guy for sure. Probably right up there with Ubre and Miles Bridges and like the most important two way uh, utilization uh, on this roster, but you know, last last season was a little disappointing for me. Uh, for PJ, he got better. That point was made earlier. He definitely has to get better finishing at the rim. You'd like to see him be a little bit more consistent shooting the basketball. Certainly, think he'll come in uh, ready, more hopefully more ready physically this season. I think he had to shake the cobwebs off uh, getting a last season. He was not in shape. I think that played into some of those defensive struggles, but. You know, PJ remains a, a really important piece to this roster moving forward. So th- those are my three tier two. Yeah, I'll pick right up from where you left off with uh, with with PJ. Just overall, quick positives. Just the inside out scoring threat can really space the court from the four or the five. Good three point shooter. Very good from the corners. Um, love his offense as like a screening threat, just because he can he can sort of move every single way in every direction after he screens. Miles Bridges and uh, Gordon Hayward uh, can do this too, but slip or dive to the rim, pop, uh, catch and shoot a three. You know, hard attack on a, a closeout. He can pass a little bit. I think PJ's. Post development last season was pretty underwhelming, but you know he can also post up on a, a smaller switch. I just think Miles Bridges did a better job of of really progressing in that capacity last season. You know, improved defender. The versatility is a switch to, as a switch guy, which that's going to be big again for Charlotte this season. Like they're going to play a ton of zone. They're going to switch a lot defensively. They're going to try to force turnovers. Um, PJ's got to be there. He's got to be impactful. He's got to you know not just do handle his assignment, but he's also got to be like disruptive and block shots and, and, and get deflections. Um, and just the lineup versatility that he brings at center, just the way Charlotte can open the court. They play so much of the, that five out delay action where they, they, they center the ball to PJ in the middle and then they get into action off, off of that. Like it usually launches with, um, you know, some type of Chicago action, then the 45 cut on the weak side, and then they just they flow into stuff from that, and they get into read-react situations, and P.J.'s pretty darn good at doing that. Unfortunately, the three-point stroke is a little up and down. I mean, overall, he finished with as a, as a pretty good shooting 4-5 five, five man last year for them. Uh, you guys have all touched on it, but the, the finishing at the rim is, like, pretty bad. Um, and just going back and I've probably like rewatched over the last couple of weeks, I've probably rewatched, I would say like 12, 10 to 12 games from last season again. And just like, there are so many like, you know, gimmies that, that 
PJ Blue that were you know lightly contested or 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 hard contested, but you'd still like to see him finish it because you know Devontae or Lamelo made a great pass to set him up and he just couldn't capitalize on it. You know he can post up some, but not quite a matchup beater. I sort of touched on that already. And then the two things that I'm keeping an eye on PJ this year: the minutes distribution, how much does he play at four, how much at five, um, and then you know, certainly the rim finishing as well. And then. The last guy that I have in tier two, because I have just two of these guys. And, and this guy is really in like tier two A for me. And we'll talk about him more. But uh, the Terry Rozier as uh, is like really like kind of on the fringes between one and two for me. Um, and to Richie's point at the start of this, you know, Terry is a guy that, you know, I know we're trying to fit this for like Charlotte's system and we're doing with this within the confines of of how what they matter to Charlotte on the court next season, both in terms of like culture, both in terms of like X and O's, uh, lineup configurations, like all that stuff. Um, and so I don't know, by that stretch, like it's it's pretty easy to probably bump Rozier up to um up to tier one, but you know, at this point now, like once this extension kicks in, he'll be 28. They'll be paying Terry Rozier like he's the top 50, 60 player in the NBA. And uh, I'm just not sure you're going to get as much bang for your buck out of that. Well, we can talk about this more once we get into the extension. But, um, yeah, I mean, Terry is obviously a wildly important player for this team. And the three-point shooting is huge. But I'm going to – because of the – the lack of punch defensively, the real threat as like a secondary, as like a, I don't know. It's like he brings some secondary playmaking. I, I shouldn't completely write him off in that regard, but I would just say like, I'm a little worried that without Devonte and Malik, you're going to get more ball handling from Rozier this season. And I'm not sure if that's necessarily um, a good thing. It's yeah, it's not. You want him off the ball as much as possible, Brian. You are correct in that. All right, tier one. I guess I'm the only one that has this guy in tier one, Gordon Hayward. Obviously not. Oh no, I've got him in tier one too. Oh, that's right. You didn't. You didn't mention yeah. him. Okay, that's right. Okay, yeah. so you you and I are on the same boat here. Yeah, obviously not on Lamelo's level, but I just couldn't really find myself dropping him to tier two. To Spencer's point, obviously the injuries are holding him back. He's lost a lot of mobility, you know, since the beginning of his career on both ends of the court, but he's still a three-level scorer, shot creator in the mid-range, which is really a highly sought-out skill, you know, in the NBA. Uh, Smart player as well, knows where to be, understands angles and cuts, and uh, I think that helps him a lot in transition as well, which plays right into the Hornets system. And then he also had his most efficient year from behind the arc on a pretty good volume last year, so... Hopefully that bodes well because he is a guy, like I just mentioned, whose athleticism is dropping, at least if you have a guy that can shoot the ball from behind the arc on catch-and-shoot situations. That's going to bode well for him and his outlook for this team. He's he's definitely below LaMelo Ball, who is my other guy in Tier 1, the offensive engine here. Playmaking is no doubt his best asset for this team. The Hornets obviously will go as far as he does, and we saw what happened last year when he went down. It was kind of hard to watch at times with some of the playmaking. He really does have a chance, I feel like, to put up some all-star-ish numbers next season, and he's going to impact the Hornets in so many ways with his pace, his passing, his rebounding. Like I said, he could probably challenge Plumley for the, for the rebound total there. And one small thing last year that I loved, which I feel like is going to continue, is his off-ball like deflections and anticipation just with his length. So yes, Ball and Hayward are in tier one for me, but they're pretty separate, but I just couldn't drop Hayward to two. So Lee, I guess I know where your tier one stands, but go ahead and reveal tier tier one. And we do have a speaker request uh, after we reveal tier one here, but go ahead, Lee. Sweet. Um, yeah, I mean, I think y'all, both you and Brian, uh, or you brought it up twice and Brian agreed earlier, like, yeah, very possible LaMelo Ball. I mean, he nearly uh, led the team in rebounding last year, you know? So, uh, and I agree with you, uh, Richie, like, I think the off-ball defensive anticipation stuff is just going to get even crazier with LaMelo. You saw flashes of it at times last year. Like, I think that's going to become almost like, Obviously, it'll never be as um, 
probably synonymous as like passing is and vision with his game, but I think it's going to be right there as like kind of a bellwether like characteristic that you associate with LaMelo Ball. I think he's that special. Um, he's the only guy in my tier one. I think you would easily make the argument that like he should probably be from an impact standpoint in a tier with a couple of these other guys that we've all mentioned in our tier two. I just separated him from the pack um, for two reasons. One, I thought about it as like as an asset standpoint. I think he's clearly like the crown jewel of this roster right now. Um, And then also just kind of all the conversations we've had about this, the, the, the vibes that all these off season moves and current roster construction give us around going all in on him as just your, your special offensive playmaker um, and, and, and trend and transition wise too, with some of the moves we've made in pace. So it it was, it was kind of more of just like a fun thing. Um, But I just wanted to keep LaMelo ball like in his own tier because, you know, I think there are tons and tons of interesting storylines and conversation to have about this Charlotte Hornets team. But at the end of the day, when you drill down to it, LaMelo Ball is going to dictate where this franchise goes over the next next half decade, and and, and that kind of just is all there is to it. Yeah, well, I'll piggyback off that, Lee. Uh, LaMelo is in my tier one. He's the ecosystem that everything flows from, right, Um, this season and moving forward in Charlotte. So, you know, you guys brought up really good points about his off-ball anticipation. You know, can that continue to grow? You know, I'm more interested for him. You know, can he continue to impact the game defensively in that way while also doing it in a controlled manner? You know, we, we saw Lamelo. He loves to take a good chance or two uh, on defense, which is great. He he should continue exploring that uh, yeah. and, and sharpening that, but but should, should do it in a way that doesn't, you know, put his teammates in bad situations consistently. You know, there, there's a balancing act there, I think. So, you know, can the shot remain better than we thought it was going to start. Um, you know, can he even, you know, get it above 36, 37%, uh, you know, from behind the arc, which would be just so huge for Melo Ball. Puts him in a totally different category in terms of ceiling as a basketball player in this league. Um, and then, you know, I, again, this point was made as well. This this roster is built to play faster on day one to start uh, this coming season, and I think that can only benefit a guy like Lamella Ball. We all know the style of basketball that he wants to play. Oh. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. no. Keep, keep going. Go ahead and finish up here. Um, Terry Rozier is also in my, um, in my tier one. I, you know, I just – I think he's just the guy that has to lead this, this roster in scoring, right? Um, you know, he's been available for the Hornets the, the past two years. He's been in Charlotte. He c- continues to shoot the ball better and better. Um, you know, last year specifically – from that mid-range area, you know, I, I probably a little bit of an outlier. So, you know, I know Brian's made that point a lot. I, I, I think that's probably a safe bet. But, you know, I also think he's the age where he's, he's just improved a lot the last few seasons. So we've seen it two seasons in a row. You know, what's to say the Hornets bet isn't worth it in the end, uh, although that's a pretty rich contract for a guy like Terry Rozier that can be a, one, a little bit of a one-trick pony uh, shooting the ball. Um, and then the last guy I have here is, Probably my – I'm more intrigued with this player than any other guy on the roster moving forward, and that's Miles Bridges. Uh, he improved so, so much last year in terms of his creativity off the ball. You know, how many di- – you can place him anywhere on the court on offense. You know, I know we've made that point a lot in the past as well. And I, and I, I really think that his defensive improvement last year doesn't get talked about enough uh, because he came online so – quickly as an offensive player, as a slasher, as a screen and roller, as a ball handler. But, man, he, his attention to def- detail on the defensive end last year was was pretty special, and, and I was taken back by it. I just think his physical tools, his athleticism, his first step, how he, you know, he's a pogo stick got, getting off the ground. Like, this guy has as much of a defensive ceiling, if not more than he does offensive. So I, I'm really, really interested and intrigued in, in what he can become as a basketball player, I, I wouldn't write it off that he's the Hornets' best player this coming season. Yeah, I think it's important to the to, to remember with uh, with Bridges. Just like the, the, I think the top every time I think about him, the first sentence needs to be just outlier athlete. 
because it is it is not just the pogo stick violent vertical athleticism that he has it's the lateral quickness it's the first step it's his strength um i've written about this we've talked about it plenty charlotte's ability to post him use him as a flex cutter along the baseline and part of that is the hope that the teams are going to put a smaller guy on him and bridge is just going to finish over the top of that guy every single time but I think that manifests itself in a in a, a a bunch of different ways. Like I was even going through Miles' clips yesterday, and him just like pushing Keldon Johnson and Yucca Okongwu. I mean, I know those are first and second year players, but like Okongwu is a center and a damn good one, a damn good prospect. And Keldon Johnson's a wing, but he's built like a tank. And Miles is just throwing those guys around while going downhill to the basket, like. Charlotte really may have something on their hands here in terms of, like, is Miles a special slasher? He he really might be because he can really pass, too. Now, we see most of his passing when he's already been given some advantage, right? Like the short roll, he's pretty good at hitting, you know, dropping it to the dunker spot. Um, Or he's pretty good at driving baseline, going right, and then whipping those skip passes to the weak side when he's, like, falling out of bounds. Pretty damn good at doing that stuff. Um, But... If he is, in fact, like this kind of offensive player, like if he can give you what he did the last – because he was good all last season, but it really is the last like six to eight weeks, those last two months, he hit another gear when they needed him to as a playmaker. And I'll be curious to see if they can do even – if you can tap into even more of that with Miles. Like how like how much – how many more possessions should you get where Bridges is like, a, you know, the guy like initiating stuff? Um, you know, we'll see. And depending on the health of Hayward, it's something that they're probably going to need a, a fair amount with Bridges. But just there's a lot on the line with him this year. And we talked about this – um, in either the episode last week or two weeks ago, but just if an extension doesn't get done this summer, the next season becomes fascinating for Bridges because, like, if he plays this that level again, that same level that he had the last two months for a full season, like if you're Charlotte, you just happily pay him whatever because you've just got you've gotten your all the proof you need now to be like this guy is a, a cornerstone. He fits perfectly with Lamelo. He might not be an all-star ever, but he's really close. He's basically going to produce for us at that type of level, especially if the defense continues to get better. And then that all of a sudden, it's like it's not just like, oh, he needs to give you enough surplus value on offense to justify the defense. No, no, no. Like this guy's being very helpful on both sides of the court, really driving winning that way. So I'm fascinated with that. You know, where what happens with the pull-up shot? Can that stay where it was this past season on larger volume? We'll see. Um And then two things I want to mention about uh, Hayward real quickly. Spencer, you said earlier, like, you threw out the number 65 games, just like this guy's not going to be able to play 65 games this season. And, like, my thought is that's a big problem because in my – literally in my notes for this episode – I have. It's imperative that Hayward be able to play at least sixty-five games next season. I just the offense and passing are 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 too important, um, especially if, if Bridges isn't quite ready to be like a you know your go-to secondary type guy. So Hayward as a guy that can be a matchup beater, um, a guy that you can use late in games, you know, running pick and roll with Lamelo Ball and trying to get switches or force team into rotations. Just he's another way for them to create advantage. And I think they're going to need that without Devontae's pull-up shooting and Malik Monk's, uh, you know, offensive skill profile as well. So I think Hayward becomes really, really important that way. And then you guys touched on it with Amelo, just a genius basketball player, has changed the organization, makes everyone else better around him, has an identity, and the team seems to be trying to mold itself around that. The things that I will be curious with Lamelo, Charlotte's pretty much going all in on him as a mega creator. Uh, that's a lot for someone who turned 20 years old, what, two days ago or three days ago or whatever. It is also coming off surgery, uh, you know, a couple months ago as well, too. So that's like something to consider. My big thing will be how consistently can LaMelo as a creator um, drum up advantage for Charlotte in the half court and also be like an amplifier or a multiplier of advantage. It's critical that he that he's able to do that. If not, it's going to be really, really hard 
um, for Charlotte to like bend defenses and get teams into rotation. Like Lomel has got to be able to do that with his dribble this season. And to that end, you know, can Lamelo get stronger, which should help his on the basketball defense and will improve his rim finishing. And I think it's also critical to like, where does that pull up three point percentage number land this season? He has, it's imperative that teams have to either switch on those actions or fight over the top of the screen. If teams are able to go under, unlike LaMelo pull-up shots this year, I think the Hornets are toast. Um, like, really, like, I think the, I think the half-court offense could, could be pretty pretty ugly at times. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I Obviously, he is the, the crown jewel to, to, to take Lee's term, but there's going to have to be some stuff is going to have to improve or at least, you know, rebound to levels that it was his rookie year before the injury. Because when he came back from that, that's when the pull-up three was, like, non-existent for him the last couple of weeks of the season when he returned from uh, surgery. All right, we're pressed for time here, but I definitely want to get to this speaker request. Uh, Noah, he was wanting to either make a comment or ask a question about our rookie. So, Noah, first off, are you a Hornets fan or no? Yeah, I'm a huge Hornets fan. <laughs> okay, I didn't know. So what was your uh, thought or question on the rookies? Well, I had heard a lot of talk recently on Twitter and different podcasts about maybe Kai being a lot in the G League this year, or maybe even if it's not a lot, he's not a huge part of the rotation. I know you all talked a little bit about that. But what I wonder is that why doesn't Charlotte just run what Washington did last year with a center rotation? just have a three-headed monster because they had Lynn Gafford and Lopez and they all had the different flaws like all the different <laughs> Hornet centers flaws because we'll be starting Plumley probably and then PJ would probably be the backup but instead of asking PJ to be a full-time backup I wonder if we can get less wear and tear by adding Kai and his energy and I think Kai will look a whole lot better with some playmakers that's a good thought Spencer do you want to take that question well, I think it's 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 quite interesting, um, and, and I do think you make a good point, Noah. Like, <clears throat> there's going to be what what we as Charlotte fans consider to be a center. PJ Washington is not a traditional center, right, across the NBA uh, landscape. So, I think you're going to see lineups with Plumlee, Washington, and Kai Jones all on the floor together. You know, at the same time, um, Miles Bridges. He might have to play on the wing some this year. You know, he played some five last year, and he'll play some five again this year. But, you know, the lineup machinations and, and how many different options Borrego has is is pretty endless on this roster uh, with the athleticism, with this positionless type of feel um, that we're starting to see, see more and more of. So I think your point is valid. And, uh, you know, if you can keep some miles – you know, off of like you're gonna need a Mason Plumley big time if you're the eight seed in the Eastern Conference, right? Or playing in a play in met like mm-hmm. there's gonna be a matchup if the Hornets do uh punch a little above their weight next year, where he's gonna be really, really important. So I, I think how do you keep Miles you know, tread off those tires? I think it's a it's a good point. Oh, I was just gonna say I think it's a, a great question, um, Noah. I, I think to quickly make the optimistic case for what you're laying out is that Kai Jones, from a physical profile and athletic standpoint, absolutely offers something that no other player on this Hornets roster does. Um, from a you know rim run, um, a vertical lob threat, um, energy, offensive rebounding standpoint, like he, I, I think that's clear like reason for why Mitch Kupchak drafted him because. None of these guys are similar players or or they're all a little different, but like the Mitchell Robinson, Jared Allen, like just profile of a pogo stick center. Like we just, we'd had nothing for that. So I think the optimistic case to your question is uh, Kai, Kai Jones is like a little more ready than we might expect. And that he just offers qualities that nobody else in this roster does, which means he's in the rotation. I think the, Uh, And then, of course, we've talked about how all the other offensive stuff is like gravy on top if he can develop any of that. But um, I think the – I guess the the pessimistic take would be 
that he's just not going to be ready mm-hmm. uh, as a professional defender, um, particularly with like rotations and just yeah. kind of getting bludgeoned under the basket by like dominant centers. So, um, and, and Borrego is going to be trying to put lineups on the floor that can win. And, and it'll be interesting to see how, how much or lack thereof patience he might have to try and let Kai work through some of his issues, but it's, it's a, it's a great topic. It could be, it could be kind of situational too, right? Where if you're taking the optimistic standpoint with Kai, you have to do it against a team that doesn't have like another bruiser or someone that's going to really beat him up on the glass. And then Charlotte just switches, right? And you just say, keep everything in front of you as much as you possibly can. Like, you know, that you can't hide him. Uh, Every NBA team is designed to pick on somebody offensively. But um, where you just say, like, hey, instead of, you know, you trapping or thinking about a lot about different rotations as a help guy, if you're playing center, you're going to be involved in the action a lot, and we're just going to have you switch off. And then if you do that with other guys like McDaniels and PJ and Bridges on the court, well, then you can switch behind the play and, and uh, you know, get the guard out of a, you know, 1-5 matchup or whatever. So there are some ways you can maybe scheme around the margins to make it slightly more palatable as well. I think the biggest thing is is probably the readiness to play. And uh, if the Hornets are trying to compete for the playoffs, that would be the only thing that's holding Kai Jones back. But to his point, the center rotation is pretty flawed as it is. So what's the harm in just kind of trying and, and experimenting with him out there? So we're going to go ahead and wrap here, but let's review our tiers real quick just so that the listeners can hear it without our commentary. And I'm going to go again from Tier 5 to Tier 1. Here's my Tier 5. Thor, Richards, and a one-do. Tier four, I got Cody Martin, Carey Jr., Kai Jones. Tier three, I got Booknight, Ishmith, McDaniels, and Ubre. Tier two, I got Rozier, Bridges, Washington, and Plumley. And then tier one, I've got Ball and Gordon Hayward to wrap up the roster there. So, Lee, if you can remember, go ahead and review yours real quick. I got them. JT Thor, Nick Richards, Carey Jr., Wes Awundu, Tier 5, Tier 4, Booknight, McDaniels, Kai Jones, Cody Martin, Tier 3, Ubre, Plumley, Ish Smith, Tier 2, Bridges, Rozier, Haywood, Washington, Tier 1 by himself, LaMelo Ball. All right, Tier 5, Awundu, Richards, Thor, Carey, and Cody Martin. Tier four, Jalen McDaniels. That's it. Tier three, uh, you have got Plumley, Kai Jones, Book Knight, and Ish Smith. Tier two, PJ Washington, Hayward, and Ubre. Tier one, Miles Bridges, Rozier, and Lamelo Ball, of course. Uh, tier five, Cody Martin and Nick Richards. Uh, tier four, uh, Kai Jones, Vernon Carey Jr. Uh, Wes Wundu, JT Thor, Tier 3, uh, Ish Smith, Mason Plumley, Jalen McDaniels, James Booknight, Kelly Oubre, Tier 2, uh, Terry Rozier, PJ Washington, Tier 1, LaMelo Ball, Miles Bridges, uh, and Gordon Hayward. All right, thanks to everyone in the green room for joining us. I know we had Owen Watterson in here, Maxwell, Isaac, Brian in here. Thank you to Noah for speaking. Again, if you guys are listening to us for the first time, take that 45 seconds out of your day and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast. It would mean a lot. For Brian, for Spencer, for Lee, we will see you guys next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website 
are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.